The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. We are finishing up this series this morning. Um, remember, we're talking about Move 2021, and our focal text in the beginning was John 2021, where it says, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And so on that first week, we remember we talked about uh, seeking and saving, that we're called to be about this. We've been sent by Christ to be about Christ's mission, and that's what our lives should be all about. That's what this church should be all about. Uh, and then what we've done each week is we've broken down how we as a church uh, accomplish that mission. How do we accomplish the mission of uh, making disciples? And so uh, the first week we talked about gathering. That part, One way that we accomplish that mission is that we gather. We do life together, right? We talked about the fact that we provoke each other towards love and good works. I have grown up in church my whole life and have def- definitely seen uh, the, the, the good old time church howdy stuff going on in the morning. Hey, how's it going, man? Everything's great. Everything's awesome, right? And that's always a lie. Everything's not always awesome, right? Sometimes it's important that we be honest with each other, right? And, and, and be real with each other. And that only happens when we're living in real, genuine community. All right? And then we started talking about growing. That it's important that we grow as Christians, that we don't profess Christ, you know, accept him, and then never do anything with that. That, that a real Christian would never do that. A true believer is going to grow in their faith, right? Uh, and we talked about that the whole reason that we grow is so that we're equipped to go. That's why we're doing equip classes. That's why we have uh, Bible studies. That's why we spend time in the Word, so that we can be equipped to go and use what we've learned for the glory of God. And then we started talking about giving. That w- Another way that we accomplish the mission is by giving. We give our money. We give our labor. Uh, we give that time and energy. And then last week... We talked about the why. Why do we go? And I think that that is an important piece because without the why, we, we never get to the where. It's important to know know uh, the purpose in all of this. Uh, and so last week, uh, or this is the last week of Move 2021. We're done after this week. It's been seven weeks, uh, and we're wrapping uh, this up. But listen, this is who we are. This is who we are as a church. As we've been going through this, this series this is who we are as a church. This is who we're going to be moving forward. So uh, while this is the end of the Move 2021 20, series, these ideas that we've been talking about will never cease to be pre- preached from this pulpit. You're always going to be hearing a challenge to go because that is who we are as a church. That's our foundation. All right. Um, and so this week, we're going to talk about where do we go? Where do we go? Uh, and it's going to be a very practical uh, message today. We know that we're supposed to go. We even know that going uh, is gospel proclamation. And if you're not sold on that yet, I don't, I don't know what to do to convince you because we've been uh, talking about this for seven weeks. Um, we, we, we know the why for going, right? We talked about that last week. But what about the where? Where are we supposed to take the gospel? Uh, last Thursday, or this past Thursday, we went and got our taxes done, which is better than Christmas for someone with four kids. Um, that's like, let's go figure out how much money the government's going to give us, right? And so we, we, we enjoyed tax season. Well, we went and we got our taxes done in orange uh, with this lady. And then uh, we were heading back into town. And uh, it was 
the day that we order groceries. Well, again, we got a bunch of people in the house, so when it gets to the day that we order groceries, that means for the past four days, we've had zero to eat in our house, right? There's no groceries, there's no snacks, you're lucky to find uh, lunch meat. In fact, this past Thursday, when we were going to the store, we, we didn't even have lunch meat, like it was all gone. And so, uh, what that meant was, we, we, well, we had set our grocery pickup, I don't know if you guys have taken advantage of that yet, that's the best thing that's ever been invented. Uh, we set the grocery pickup for 8 p.m., thinking that that would be about when we got done with our, gro- with our taxes. Well, we ended up having this big break. And so being that we had nothing to eat at home and uh, we had two hours basically to kill, an hour or two hours to kill before we could get our groceries, we decided it was going to be a night that we go out to eat. And uh, like any good, wholesome family, uh, we had no idea where we were going to go. And so we come back into Nieder and we're coming down 69, head south on uh, 69, we come into town, and I'm literally like, where do you want to go? And she's like, I don't know. Nothing sounds good. Where do you want to go? And I was like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And we're just back and forth. We're like the birds on uh, whatever that movie was. Uh, and we're just back and forth. Where, where, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? And uh, I was like, look, I'm just going to drive around until you say something. And so I'm literally just driving aimlessly, and I exit 365 because always that's where most stuff is. We drive all the way down 365 past like all the restaurants in southeast Texas, and then uh, come back up 27th, and uh, at some point, we, we get like almost to Avenue H, and we're like, I guess let's just go to Dairy Queen. And so we ended up going to Dairy Queen. But, but literally, we knew the what, right? We're hungry, right? We knew that, that we had to eat and, and, and that we were compelled to eat because it was getting late. And uh, we knew uh, that, that we had to eat at some point, but, but we didn't know the where. And so what happened? We, we drive around aimlessly because there is nowhere. And a lot of times we find ourselves like that as a church. We know what we're called to do. We know that we're called to be witnesses. We know that we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. But sometimes where that plays out is difficult because we don't know really how to get going. Where, where do we go with that? Uh, the where is important. And so luckily Jesus gave us the where. He gave us the where, and so we don't have to question that. Let's look at our text in Acts uh, 1, verse 4. It says, while he was with them, talking about Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, uh, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So this is right before Christ ascends up into heaven, and he is preparing his disciples for his inevitable departure. Right, And so he first starts talking about, he says, look, you, you've, you've heard me promise about this, this Holy Spirit that's going to come, this promise from God, the Father's promise. Isn't it good to know that God's promises, that he keeps those promises? Right, Because we would not be able to accomplish this mission without, without the Holy Spirit. We, we've talked about that a lot over this series. There's no way that we could accomplish the call that God has put on our life without God fueling us and enabling us to do that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, that God promised, hey, there's this spirit that's going to come. That's the thing that's going to enable you to do what I'm calling you to do. He keeps those promises. Let's go on. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? This had to be a moment for Jesus where he's just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We've talked about this over and over again. Are, what, what, are you guys dense? What's going on? I don't, I don't understand. Like, we've talked about this constantly. And he, here, even at the very end, they're like, so are you going to fix all this stuff that we see? Are you, what's, what's this all about? They still just missed what the mission was all about. And so he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. We want times and periods, right? Are you guys detail-oriented? Like, I want to know the when. 
Give me the wind. Give me the details. I want to know all the little details and how that works out. And we are fascinated with that, right? We get really worked up, especially when a Democrat gets elected to office. We're like, this is the end. Jesus is coming back. The world's going to end. This is Armageddon. This is the end of all things, right? And we start seeing all these like preachers get up and, and prophesy about these things that are coming. We get, really, we get really nuts about it because we are focused on the times and periods. But Jesus said, look, don't worry about all of that. Focus on the mission. Don't get wrapped up in the details. Focus on the mission. That's what you've been called to focus on. As a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the call that he's placed on your life is not to worry about all the details. The call that he's placed on your life is to go and tell people about Jesus. And when all that stuff comes to fruition, you've already done your labor. You've done your work. That's what you focus on. The text goes on. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. And so two points is all we have this morning. Two points. Number one, going starts at home. Going starts at home. I hate the phrase, give or go. I hate that phrase. Let me explain to you why before you send me some emails hating on me. But the, the reason why I hate the phrase give or go is because it, it kind of has this hint of a misconception about what missions is. Missions is not just going to some foreign country and telling people about Jesus. That's not the end of missions. Missions is this huge concept of going wherever you're at. Missions is a way of life, and as a believer, it should be your way of life. It's not the missionary with 17 kids way of life. It's your way of life here in Nederland, Texas. It should be if you're a true believer in Christ, and it's it's the why that fuels us to go. We talked about that last week. We're, we're compelled by the love of Christ to serve him. Right? Jesus came. He laid down his life for you. That love compels you to, in turn, surrender your life back to him. We're burdened for the lost because of a heavenly perspective. God has given you new eyes to see this world around us. And you don't look at the world uh, and lost people with, with hatred or uh, with, with, with anger. You look at this lost world with love and empathy. And then also, we believe that living on mission is the abundant life Christ promised. Living on mission is the abundant life Christ promised. It's not that he's going to give you the Mercedes and the nice house and all of the things that this world has to offer. No, it's that he's going to give you purpose in life, and that's living on mission for him. That's the why that fuels us to go. Going has to start with a heart for going. Does that make sense? Going has to start here before it can ever go out anywhere else. Otherwise, you'll never go. Right? It has to start here in your heart. And if you have a heart for going, it's only natural that you'll start your going right where you're at. Right? If you're all about going and you have a heart and you get those things that we just talked about, right? You're compelled, you're burdened, and you believe that this is the abundant life. If that's true about you, then naturally the outflow of that truth is that you will live it out in your world that you live in, right? So when you're at work, you're going to be compelled by the love of Christ to serve him at your job. You're going to be burdened for the lost people at your job, and you're going to realize that the life is found in professing Christ to those work people. It's just a natural outflow. And so if you get the why, then the go makes sense that you're going to start right where you're at at home. The disciples started in Jerusalem. They started right where they were. Why? Because they were immediately compelled to go. They were burdened for the lost and believed, uh, and believed living out God's purpose in their life would yield fulfillment. 
If you're bought into the why, you'll start where you're at. And listen, I get the biggest hurdle for us is fear. The biggest hurdle for us is fear. We're afraid to profess Christ for different reasons. Everybody's got their own reasons. We're, we're afraid that we won't have the right things to say. We're afraid that someone will you know, not like us and won't be our friend anymore. I don't know. There's all kinds of fears that, that, that we face when going out and, and telling people about Christ. And I, I understand that. I'm a human being too. I get that. I remember being in school and uh, feeling compelled to go tell someone, a friend of mine, about Jesus, and I'm all sweaty, I'm breathing heavy. You ever get that point where you're like really nervous and you're like, I can't catch my breath. <sighs> like you haven't ran a marathon or anything, but you just feel like you're about to pass out. Um, I, I, that was me. And I'm, I'm, I need to tell you about mm, Jesus. Uh, and it's just like, you feel like you're just gonna blow it, right? I get it, I get that. What's the answer though? Because we can't just keep saying, well, I'm scared, I can't do it, I'm scared. That, that excuse means nothing, right? You're called to go. You can't just keep saying, well, I'm scared to go. Eventually, you've got to do something. So what do we do? What's the answer? Let me tell you what the answer is. Take a step towards obedience. Take a step towards obedience. If you listen to our podcast, Julian and I do a podcast pretty much every week. Sometimes we mess it up. But pretty much every week, we get together, and what we do is we just kind of go deeper and discuss the sermon from the previous week. Well, this past week, we got to talking about uh, this past week's sermon, and uh, we covered this a little bit in our discussion. We talked about taking a step towards obedience and the fact that we here at Fellowship are offering you opportunities to take a step towards obedience. We have the laundromats, where we go to a laundromat, it's a simple thing. We pay for someone's laundry and we tell them about Jesus. Super simple concept. We've been talking about doing, and we've done it already, going to Port Arthur. There's this homeless community uh, deep in Port Arthur off of Gulfway Drive. We go out there, we feed them, tell them about Jesus. And there are going to be more and more of these opportunities because for us, the definition of outreach is not just going out and giving away free stuff. It's actually telling people about Jesus. And so... My challenge to you is take advantage of these opportunities. Take advantage of these opportunities. Why? Because there's accountability in these opportunities. Right? When you go with a bunch of guys to the laundromat, you've never told anybody about Jesus. I get it. You're terrified. But when you're there with other guys, that just encourages you to actually do what you're called to do. Right? And so choose to move towards obedience in this area. Whenever I was called to ministry, those of you who remember me as a kid, I was not the most outgoing person in the world. Still not. I I find myself somewhere in between introvert and extrovert, kind of right in the middle. And so the idea of getting up in front of talking and talking in front of people when I was 16 years old was like, that's never happening. And Jesus was like, no, I'm calling you to ministry. I remember at camp, he's like, I'm calling you to ministry. I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to be the guy that gets up there and talk. I'll go run the computer in the back. I'll do all that stuff. But I'm not going to be the guy that gets up and talks in front of people. I was terrified about it. But I surrendered to ministry. And in that moment, I remember very clearly, and even to this day, I, I have this, this philosophy and this, this thought process that anytime God opens a door for me, anytime there's an opportunity, I'm going to step through that, even if it's terrifying. Even if I'm like, nope, I can't do that. I'm going to step through it in obedience and allow God to move. And I've seen him move over and over and over and over again in my life to where he strengthens me and encourages me if I just take one little step of obedience. 
And that's what these opportunities are. Choose to move towards obedience in this area. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Right? If you never take a step towards obedience, you're never going to find yourself living in obedience. Do you get that? And I'm not, we're not asking you to go right to door-to-door evangelism in your neighborhood. I'm not asking you to go put on your white shirt and your black tie and go knock on the doors, the house next door and be like, can I tell you about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is take a step towards obedience. Be intentional. Then that will ultimately lead to more obedience. Right? It may have to start with a heavy amount of accountability where you go to the laundromat and you've got five other guys and you're like, i got to tell people about Jesus. These people are going to think I'm not very spiritual. And so you step out and tell someone about Jesus, right? And you're sweating and you're breathing heavy and all that. But ultimately, what does that lead to? Eventually, if you keep doing that, you get more comfortable with it, you get more used to it, and then you find yourself where you don't need accountability. You're just at uh, the laundromat by yourself washing your own clothes, and you're like, let me tell you about Jesus. Or you're at work, and you're like, man, let me tell you about this Jesus that saved my life. It becomes so much easier if we just commit to taking little steps towards obedience. So what does it look like? Be intentional about building relationships with lost people. I've already said this before. I feel like sometimes we still don't get it because you'd be like, you know, you need to tell someone about Jesus and, and people, well, I don't have any lost friends. All my friends are Christians. That's a problem. That means you're not being intentional. You need to find an avenue to meet lost people so that you can tell people about Jesus. That's what it means to go. It's not like someone's just going to knock on your door and be like, I'm lost. Can you help me find Jesus? It's never going to happen. Right? We laugh at how ridiculous that is because it's never going to happen. You have to go. You have to go and, and seek out lost people. Listen, you live in a neighborhood that has lost people in it. Start being intentional about loving on them and building that relationship so that a, a door opens so that you can tell them about Christ. Be intentional. You, you're at the ballparks, right? You're at soccer fields. There are parents there who are lost. Build the relationship. You have coworkers. You have to get past yourself and start being intentional about building relationships with lost people. We live in our own little world, don't we? We, we talked about last week, we just kind of live in our own little world where we're all about us and we just go and go and go and everything that we do is about us or about our kids. We have to rewire our thinking and be about others and start looking for ways to reach people. We need to be intentional about building relationships and we need to be intentional about actually sharing the gospel, right? Because it means nothing if you build a relationship without ever telling someone about Jesus. Start the conversation. Going starts here. Because going is a lifestyle. Right? It's a lifestyle. It's, it's changing your life. It's, it's, it's Christ coming in and giving you new desires. Your desires now are to see other people come to know Christ. Right? He changes your heart so that you live your life for him and not for yourself. Right? You can't live your life for yourself and proclaim to be a Christian. Because you've been compelled by the love of Christ to surrender your life back to him and live for him. And so when we live our lives, we can't be living them for ourselves. We live them for him. And for many, this is a radical shift. But listen this morning, this is the abundant life. This is the abundant life. If you're not living this, 
you're not living the abundant life. Going starts at home, but going inevitably turns global. It starts here in your heart, inevitably outpours in your lifestyle, but ultimately that's going to lead you towards a global perspective. Um, I went on my first foreign mission trip in 2008 to Kenya, and uh, it was an awesome trip. I learned that some things are American, but some things are global, like McDonald's. You can buy a stale cheeseburger just about anywhere in the world. The gospel is global. The gospel is global. Sin is always the problem plaguing man. This is true everywhere. Jesus is always the way to freedom. This is true everywhere. There is no way, no way to reconciliation without God but through Christ. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. There is no other way no matter where you're at on this planet. There's no cultural differences that that erase this truth. This is true for all cultures all over the world. Look at Revelation 7-9. It says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. What a beautiful picture of all people from all over the world gathered around the throne of God, worshiping him for who he is. The message of hope is cross-cultural. It's not just for Southeast Texas. It's for the entire world. And in Matthew 28, our commission is to make disciples of all nations. So what does that mean? It means that we bear the responsibility of getting this good news to all people groups. All people groups. You should be involved in going that's beyond Southeast Texas. You should be involved in going that is beyond Southeast Texas. Global evangelism is not just for next-level Christians, right? We view it that way sometimes, right? Those people who are doing that global stuff, they are like, they're like the Christian, Christian, like they're the hardcore Christians, right? We're the softcore Christians, they're the hardcore Christians, right? That's not how it works. Christian is Christian, right? Faith is faith. If you get this stuff, you're going to mourn lost people here in Nederland, but you're also going to mourn that there are lost people in China. You're going to mourn that there are lost people in Africa, Does this mean we should all sell everything and move to the bush of Africa? Yes, we're going to sell everything this week, and we're all going to move together, and we're going to start fellowship really far east. I'm just joking. No, what it does mean is that we get involved in global missions. How do we do that? How do we get involved in global missions? First, we send and support men and women to go globally long-term. We send and support people. We should be involved in this. Do you get that? Not everybody can go to Africa. I get that. But your heart should be for people that, who are lost in Africa. You should be burdened by the fact that there are lost people in Africa. You should be thinking about the fact that there are people all over the world that are lost, and you should get involved in some way to be able to actually tell people about Jesus globally. And so, How do we do that? How do we send and support men and women to go globally long-term? One, we do it financially. Costs money to do that. Costs money to send people all over the world. But also prayerfully, we got to be praying for these people. 
How do you do that here at Fellowship? We have something we call Faith Promise Missions, right? You give your tithe, we've already talked about that. Giving your tithe is not necessarily giving, it's just agreeing with God that 10% is his. Faith Promise Missions is above and beyond that, right? So you give to missions as a designated thing. Anything that you designate to missions, we send to missionaries that we support. And so this is giving above the tithe. Our domestic projects that we support, we've got Mission Arlington that we support. Students are leaving uh, in a couple of weeks for that. Uh, We've got a lot of domestic church planning that we support. We support Braveheart Community Church in Virginia. We support the Golden Triangle Baptist Network, which is doing a lot of church planning in our area. We support uh, the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, Texas Church Launch. They're doing some church planning stuff. Uh, And then we also have several foreign projects. We support 31 foreign missionaries. Our church supports 31 foreign missionaries in 24 different countries, plus we support the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board, which sends missionaries all over the world. We can get involved in global missions by sending and supporting, and we should be a part of that. You should be getting involved as you can in sending and supporting. Everybody can pray and give as you can. But we also are called to be going globally ourselves. For some of us, that's short-term, right? We do short-term trips. We, we have a Honduras trip that's coming up in October, and they're actually meeting today right after the service. This is an opportunity. This is one of those obedience opportunities that we're talking about, right? Missions can be a terrifying thing, but if you take a step towards obedience, it's pretty easy to go on a, on a week trip to Honduras, right? And so this is an opportunity uh, for you to be able to take a step towards obedience in that area. And so we're going to have a meeting right after church today so you can get all the details about that. And so if you want uh, information about that, hang out in here right after, the tr- after church and we'll be talking about uh, what that trip looks like. So short term, but also long term. Maybe God is calling you to long term foreign missions. We always think that's not for me, right? Right? When someone starts talking about missionaries and foreign missionaries, we're like, ooh, that's not for me. That's for them crazy people that have like 17 kids. And It's got to be for someone. Right? It's got to be for someone. Someone has to go. God still calls people to abandon everything and go to a foreign place to proclaim this message of hope. Um, there's some families that, that I know or I've met that, that have done exactly that. Uh, there's the Lewises that moved to the bush of Africa. There's the whites that I don't even know where they're at. Somewhere in the Middle East we're not supposed to know because they'll be killed if they get caught there sharing the gospel. There's the Siglers who moved and were there for a while uh, in Africa, in the bush of Africa, Sudan. They were all, uh, the Lewises and the Siglers were in Sudan. Listen, all these are just normal families. They worked normal jobs. The, the Lewises worked at the hospital. The Whites, uh, the, the wife was a, a drama director at a church. Uh, the husband worked at the plant. Uh, the Siglers uh, were, worked in the medical field. They worked here in our area as just normal people. They had families, just, just completely everything normal about them. And then God placed a calling on their life. And all they did was surrender in obedience. We think that that's such a, like, a huge deal to like, drop everything and move to some foreign country and tell people about Jesus. But literally all it is is obeying what Jesus tells you to do. 
And the truth is, is that some people may be being called to do exactly that. And so the challenge is surrender to that calling. So we know the what. We know that we're called to go. We know the why, that we're compelled by the love of Christ, we're burdened for the lost, and we're convinced that the abundant life is found in going. That's why we go. Now we know the where. It starts in your heart, which leads to going right here at home, which inevitably turns global. And as we wrap this message up this morning, I want to share some vision stuff. I I believe God has given us a vision for fellowship that's all about sending. I don't feel like the calling that God's placed on us as a church is to grow a church that, you know, to to focus on having a thousand people in our church. I think the calling that he's placed on us is to send thousands of people from our church. We need people to have that focus, right? God never said, hey, listen, I want you to grow a big, huge church and, and, and that's, that's your focus. Get a bunch of people in the seats and have a bunch of people, you know, learning Bible studies and doing all that stuff. He was all about the mission and sending, right? What happened after this? They all hung out in Jerusalem. And God's like, what are you doing? And I told you to start there, but you're supposed to keep going. That's our focus is to be a church that sends people out. I've said before that I believe God has a big purpose for fellowship. And listen, that purpose is to go. That purpose is to go. I have this incredible burden on my heart for fellowship to be a church that sends people out and plants other churches. I don't want to have 400 campuses all over southeast Texas I want to be a church that plants autonomous churches that are doing the work of Christ in areas that people don't want to be at. When's the last time you guys drove down into Port Arthur? To get tacos, probably, but other than that. You go drive in Port Arthur, and there are very few churches that are actually professing true gospel. There are some churches down there. There's very few that are actually doctrinally sound and teaching truth, or they're actually teaching other people to be goers and, and to reach out. I believe that God has burdened our heart to be a church that that plants other churches all around us in places like Port Arthur where everybody has moved out of Port Arthur. All the churches that that we would say are doctrinally sound have been like, "Uh, let's move to like Nederland or Groves or uh, Port Natchez. They're all moving out of that area. We should be running towards that area. right? We we have this gospel that is... The key to everything. Right? We have this good news that radically changes people's lives. And for some reason, everybody's saying, well, let's take this gospel and move to places where it's easy to get people to accept it. That's not what we're called to be. We need to really believe that this is for everybody. And it can change anybody. Even people who were down in Port Arthur strung out on drugs. That's how powerful the gospel is. And I feel like God has placed a calling on our life to be a church that plants other churches in the first place that I feel like we should be going is Port Arthur. And I'm not talking about Stonegate right here. I'm talking about Port Arthur. I'm not talking about right around the golf course. I'm talking about Port Arthur, way down there on Gulfway. 
And so, like God's given us this vision, and we're going to take steps towards obedience. We're going to trust that he's going to provide resources. But the truth is, to get there, we've got to get moving. We've got to get moving. We can't be a church that just stands idly by and just comes and enjoys and consumes. We have, a be, we have to be a church that goes. We have to catch this vision. We have to catch this idea that we are called to be movers. To get there, we have to be a, be a people that are marked by the mission. It's a lifestyle. We have to get that. And it's an abundant lifestyle. It's time to set aside the priorities of this world and take up the priorities of Christ, which are to seek and save. For years, the church has got immensely comfortable in just doing what we do, running in place. It's time for us to get uncomfortable and start growing and being challenged by this truth. I was not athletic as a kid. Many of you who saw me grow up, you know that. And you make fun of me behind my back, I know about it. I've heard the stories, and it hurts my feelings a little bit. Every time, deep wounds. I spent a lot of time in the dugout when I played baseball as a kid for the two years that I actually did it. Yeah, don't, don't, that just makes it worse. Oh, <laughs> poor fella. Yeah, that just makes it worse. I had the uniform... But the truth is, I made no contribution to the team. None. I looked good. (laughs) There is no dugout for Christians. There's no dugout for Christians. If you're really on the team, you're on the field. You're on the field. Listen, I'm hungry to be used by God. I'm I'm passionate about this. I wake up in the morning thinking about it. I go to bed at night thinking about it. This is, this is something that God has burdened my heart for, for us to be a church that really gets this truth. And listen, if I could just like take your brain and just inject it in there, I would do it. But I can't do it. You have to get it. You have to get this fire. The Holy Spirit has to reveal this to you. I can't do it for you. If I could, I would. I would grab you by the hair and yank you into every opportunity to share your faith and push you as hard as I can. But the truth is, I can't put that want in your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can. And I'm praying to God that he'll do that in your heart. I'm praying to God that he'll do it in your heart. Because I'm hungry for it. I'm passionate about it. And my prayer is that you are too. My prayer is that God is stirring something deep inside of your soul. To be a goer. If you're not doing this, there's good news. The good news is this. God offers an opportunity for repentance. If you're listening this morning, you're like, it's not me, I'm not doing this. God offers an opportunity for, for repentance. A lot of times we think of repentance as a bad thing. Like, oh, I've got to get rid of something in my life. Repentance is a wonderful thing. Conviction is a wonderful thing because it, it's, a, it's a doorway that God opens to allow you back into his presence, back into life. We should be welcoming conviction. We should be welcoming repentance. And so that's the good news this morning is that if this is not you, if you've not been living this lifestyle, God opens his arms and says, come back to life. 
Come back to this abundant life. There's always opportunity for repentance. And so this morning, this is a line in the same sermon. This whole series has been this. I'm just going to give you a, a peek into my heart and into my soul. This has been me trying to share with you who we should be as a church based on what the Bible says. So the question is, do you believe it? Do you get it? Are you ready to give yourself to it? Would you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? At the end of every message for a hundred or more years, Baptist preachers always open up an opportunity for people to come down to these little benches and pour their heart out to God. We call it an invitation. We're inviting you to come and surrender whatever it is God's calling you to surrender to him. And for the past several years, churches all over have left these benches empty because they're apathetic, because they're not really sold out to all of this, because they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts, or maybe because they're terrified to walk down in lights and people see them walk in front and pray, whatever it is. But the purpose of an invitation is, is to give you an opportunity to respond to the message of truth that you just heard. So that's what we're about to do. And I think we're all honest. Many of us have some, some real work to be doing in our hearts and our minds right now. Are we doing this? Is this our lifestyle? Because I think the truth is, if we're honest and we're really, man, if we're really evaluating who we are and what we do, the, the truth is, is that we're not. We're not doing this. We're, we're living our own lives for ourselves. We've gotten so infatuated with the culture that we look just like everybody else in this world. So I truly believe that God's working on your heart this morning, that there's a, there's some repentance that needs to be done. There's some change that needs to take place in our hearts. And so that's my challenge to you this morning as we wrap this series up, is that as God is speaking to you that you would surrender to him, that you would come down to these altars or even kneel where you're at in your seat and just repent of not being a goer and ask him to change your heart. And then when you leave this place today to start taking steps towards obedience. Start taking steps towards obedience. Thank you so much for listening. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.